Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast, Season 3. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together, as a community, we can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. You know, first of all, it is hard to believe that the year is almost over. What a year. Um, I'm not going to say there was anything compared to 2020, but 2021 has been really good. It's been really good, not only for so many of us who have made the decision to be vaccinated and, you know, spread our wings. And, you know, I'm traveling. My trip to Italy was unbelievable. And not to worry, we'll have a podcast about that. But what I really love is this month. You know, we share this quite often. As a father of five children, my husband and I adopted all five of our kids. We just happened to choose the route through foster care. And the month of November being National Adoption Awareness Month, actually two of our five children, we actually signed their adoption papers in the month of November. So this month means a lot to us. And also, by the way, it's my baby boy's birthday. So I know I love the month of November, but I absolutely love my next guest. You know, I think that each and every one of us have an opportunity to build our family in the way that we want to build them. I remember that morning when I was sitting in D.C. with my husband, and as we were drinking our coffee and deciding how we were going to build our family, I originally wanted to adopt overseas. Now, most of you would laugh and and say, why would you do that when you grew up in foster care? Well, because I then at that moment, almost 14 years ago, realized that I still had the myth in my mind about adoption. Well, my friend Amanda has not only adopted, but she's actually written a book called Finding Family Far Away Land. In a faraway land. You know, I have to say, I got this book Whenever I get a book um, sent to me, I actually, the first thing that I do when it's a children's book is I take it home and allow my kids to read it. And even though my kids are now 12 through 20, I want to see their eyes as they're reading those pages. Amanda, I have to tell you, my kids loved it. Loved it. That's wonderful. Thank you. Welcome to Fostering Change. So let's talk. Let's dive right in this. You're a mother of four. Okay, so I totally can feel you. I've got five. Yeah. Um, and two of your children are, are biological, and two of your children are adopted through India. Tell me how that story happened. Sure. Um, well, we had our two children, and prior to that, when my husband and I were dating, we actually talked about adoption. It was a conversation that we had early on. We just said, you know, how do you envision our family would you be open to this? And it was something that we both absolutely agreed on early on. And so by the time we had our second, um, I realized I don't feel like I need to have another baby biologically. And there's so many children that need a home. I mean, in India alone, there's, there's almost 30 million orphans. And so we decided to go the route of, of adopting our our next child and then it ended up being biological siblings so now we have four 
Yeah. Okay. So, so this is, this is the, my question. And I know our viewers and our listeners want to know, I mean, here in our country, we have over 120,000 right. kids waiting for a forever family. And, you know, again, I have a friend of mine who actually just wrote a book. He was adopted in Sri Lanka and, you know, it says it, it's changed his life if he had not been adopted. Mm -hmm. uh, what my question is, is how hard was the process? It was emotionally very hard. I would say initially we actually um, started the process in Ethiopia because we have family from Ghana and we have other children in the family. And so we thought that would be a natural country to adopt from. And it took years. We waited three years without a match and decided that maybe there was some corruption going on and we didn't feel comfortable. And so we decided to switch countries and we have a lot of um, friends that are Indian in our community and in our school. And it seemed like the perfect fit for us. So we switched countries. And then a month later, uh, Ethiopia shut down entirely. And then after that, we actually got matched quickly. We got matched within seven months and then had to wait a year um, in order to go pick up our girls. But that was the hardest part because once you get matched, you're so excited and you can't wait to see your children but then you don't get any updates for a year and you don't know how they're doing. And that wait was the hardest. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So how old were they when you went to go pick them up? So they were, um, Ari was three and a half and Priya was almost five. Did you say Priya? Mm -hmm. So one of my really good friends, Jill, she also adopted a child in India and her name is Priya. That's great. Yeah, she's like she's um she's fourteen. Um, and so now she's fourteen. So so you get you get matched, and then you have the waiting game. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I've got to ask this because I'm going to tell you right now, um, my listeners, my viewers, they're going to be emailing me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org and they want to, they're going to want to know this question. Had you already had to invest money into this? Yes. You did? Yes. So yeah. you invest money when you start the application and when you go through the home study and when you make that decision. So it's kind of um, steps along the way. Got it. And then by the time you go to pick them up, that's your last payment of just the travel money and getting the passports and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, we had to do home studies when we adopted our children as well. It's required um, to do that. But did you have to pay the government of India um, for adopting children that were in India? You pay the government, there's a government organization called CARA. So you pay an organization here, which then pays for the adoption through the government of India. So, so my next question would be, you knowing that, you know, so you, you tried, you tried Ethiopia and years went by, how old are your two, your biological children? So my son's 11 and my daughter's nine. Okay, so so all of a sudden you go to your two biological children mm -hmm. um, and you say, okay, mom and dad want to adopt two more kids and we're mm -hmm. going to adopt them in India. I, I got to know, what, what was that dinner conversation like? <laughs> it was so long ago. I'm trying to remember. I think that timing is everything in our 
Since, you know, my son was seven and my daughter was five when we went to India and we actually took them with us. And yeah, and I think because we've been having the conversation for so many years, it wasn't a surprise, right? And at that time, I think had my daughter been any younger, she would have had severe sibling, you know, rivalry or not wanting a baby. But she was at the age where she was just so excited to have sisters that it went over really well. And she happened, they both happened to go to a really diverse preschool. And so I would say they were maybe the minority in their class. So to them, it was it was exciting. They They were all for it. So I absolutely love that. And I love the fact that, you know, so two years ago, um, my husband and I had our fifth child and he arrived at the age of 18. And so, yeah, so um, my children were at the time they were 10, you know, 12. Both of my boys were 12 and my daughter was, um, you know, 15 when my 18 year old arrived. Oh my gosh. And, and we... Yeah. And we worried a little bit about that, you know, rivalry part, you know, my kids, my other four children had come to us at such an early age and, and having a son at such an older age. Um, one of the things that do you ever, and, and don't take offense to this because my, my, my viewers want to know this. Um, I was a kid who grew up and I used to always talk about, you know, when I was in foster care, my foster parents would look at us and they would say, these are my biological children and this is our foster child. Do you, do you ever sometimes miss the mark and, you know, are you just, these are your babies? No, I mean, I would hope not. These are my babies, you know, these are... I even call my baby my baby, and she's like, no, I'm a big girl, you know. <laughs> Don't worry, I call my 12-year-old a baby, and he tells me, yeah. no, I'm a big boy all the time. Yeah. You know, so, so one of the questions that people ask me quite often with my family, they will walk up to us and they'll say, oh, your family is so beautiful. We don't see any color. And then I remind them oh, that they I can see that. my, oh, <laughs> thank you. Because I remind them, I say, then you don't see my four black children that are standing yeah. there next to their white brother. Um, do you have people that walk up to you and are, you know, ask questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we do. Of course, I think. And we do get that a lot. And I'm I think I automatically go on the mom like defense and try to just move on to the next conversation. Um, I think it's hard because we are that family. We chose that family. And so obviously we will be recognized as being a bit different, but at the same time, I want people to acknowledge my children for who they are, for their Indian heritage, for love them, you know, just embrace them as, as they are individually and not, it, yeah, it's, it's hard, right? It's hard being a parent when you feel like, and, and I had someone tell me not long ago with all this going on in schools that, oh, racism doesn't exist. And I just about lost it. I was like, tell that to my children who face that at the public pool, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and by the way, we are totally going to talk about finding family in a faraway land <laughs> and adoption story. But there's so many questions. I, you know, I know, you know, when you you bring these two beautiful babies into your family, there is a cultural shock. You know, I mean, I, I even can tell you that that happened, you know, when my children arrived. And as I'm even raising them, because mm-hmm. I don't want... 
I want to make sure that they know about their heritage, you know, whether they're that whether my children are black or your your daughters are from India or someone has adopted through, you know, in, in South Africa, wherever it is, in Japan and Tokyo, wherever. I want them to always know their heritage. What do you and your husband do to make sure that they they have that connection? We incorporate well, Indian food is amazing. So that's like number one, right? And we love spicy and my daughter Priya can eat the spiciest of spicy foods. So we cook a lot of Indian food. We order a lot of Indian food, um, but not just that. We have a really great community around us of Indian friends and they happen to live and have family all over the country of India and the United States. And so the holidays vary, but through them, we get to learn about what holidays they celebrate. We celebrate holidays together, like Diwali and Holi, and we get dressed up and we go to each other's houses and we feast. And um, my girls recently, we just did an online um, Indian Nepalese heritage camp. I don't know if you've heard of those, but they have camps all over the United States for kids from different countries. So there's one from China or, but usually it's in Colorado, which is great for us because we could just drive there. But this year it was online. So they got to meet all these amazing Indian, you know, women that are just incredible role models. And they got to do a cooking class online and they got to do a Bollywood dance with them. And they got to learn all about their heritage and meet other kids the same age all over the country that were born in India and now adopted. So now they have all these new pen pals and we've made all these new friends and we can't wait to see them next year. So when the girls arrived, did, did, did you change their names? Not exactly. So their birth names are Banu Priya and Ari is Maheshwari. And that was really hard for them to both say and going into preschool I just said, hey, do you want a nickname? Because my daughter is Alexandra and we call her Alex. And so their nicknames are basically Priya and Ari, but we still call them Banyu Priya and Maheshwari at home. So they can choose what they want. It's just easy for you know, other kids and for them. Yeah. Love that. Listen, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to tell everybody, um, you want a book that, you know, and this, by the way, I truly do believe that this is a book that is not needed just for families who are adopting. I think that this is a book to educate. Um, And I think that we almost understand one particular thing. Empathy is not something we are born with. Empathy must be taught right. must be taught and by knowing other people's story is how you teach your children empathy listen we're going to be right back i hope again you all go to amanda's website um you can find amanda on her website amanda it's amandawall.org um and so you can buy the book on her website and we'll be right back Comfort Cases is so excited to once again to be partnering with a premier luggage brand, Briggs & Riley, for National Adoption Awareness Month. You know, now through the end of November, for every $10 donation made at Briggs-Riley.com, Comfort Cases will receive much-needed funds, leading to the elimination of trash bags being given to children entering our foster care system. You know, donations will go towards the purchase of Comfort XL duffel bags. These are 32-inch duffel bags that the youth will be able to use to store their belongings in. 
Briggs and Riley supports Comfort Case's mission to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. Don't forget, Giving Tuesday is November 30th. This is an added reason to help someone in need this month. So please visit BriggsandRiley.com and make your tax-deductible donation today. So as we all know, this is National Adoption Awareness Month, and each one of our episodes, we're talking on different journeys of adoption. You know, we all build our families in different ways, and my friend Amanda, um, not only was she able to build her family by having two biological children, then she did not stop there, and she adopted two beautiful, and as I call them, true princesses um, through adoption to India. You know, Amanda, I was um, actually going over and I was I was going through your book again. And and I, I said to you during the break that I love the fact that you did the illustration in this book as well. Um, but what I really think that that our listeners and our viewers could do is that they could really um, purchase this book on your website. Um, and what I would love to challenge all of our listeners and viewers is to do two things. Number one, purchase this book on their website and give it to a school. Okay? Give it to a school. This is a book that really, I'm telling you, teachers need to be reading um, to their students. So the story really talks about your two daughters in in this book. And so um, one of the the parts that I remembered is where you had to take um, your girls to the doctor because they had not been drinking clean water. Um, And, you know, and so I want to go back to when you were first matched um, and having to wait those, you know, that period of time, um, almost a year, I think you said we had to wait. Um, So I'm assuming that as soon as you brought your girls home, there was lots and lots of doctors. There was lots of checkups. How was that experience like, not only for the girls, but for you and your family? That was really difficult because when you bring your children home, all you really want to do is just sit at home and play and bond with them and gain their trust, right? And so to have to take them to the doctor's office and have them poked and prodded with needles to do blood work it's really hard. They look at you like, why are you doing this to me? You know? So, and we had to go back multiple times because they ended up with um, chronic giardia and couldn't get rid of the parasites. It took us about 13 rounds of antibiotics to get rid of it over the course of a year. So that was really hard, but I think they, they knew once it was gone that they felt so much better. And then they started gaining weight and then they started feeling better and you could see their bodies change. And at that point, they were really thankful. But going through it is it's not no, it's not ideal, but you have to do I mean, you have to take care of your babies, yeah. like their health and the sooner the better. Right. So do, do they ever ask about their biological mom and dad? Yeah, they they remember quite a bit because when we adopted them, you know, Priya was almost five And she remembers um, her life prior to being in the orphanage. And she uh, sadly watched one of her family members pass away. And so she, yeah, she remembers a lot. And, and for them, it wasn't something that they, they weren't aware of what happened. It was talked about in the orphanage. They knew their story before we adopted them. 
Right. So, you know, I, I have to tell you, you're a mom of four. Why did you write the book? Well, my daughters, it's it's funny you ask. I never set out to write a children's book. It just happened organically. My my littlest had a lot of questions about her adoption. I think a lot of kids want to know, how did you find me? Um, what When did you come? How did you come get me? What happened when we got home? It's so confusing for children, especially when you've um, lived in various places and then you move internationally. And so that became a conversation that we had all the time. And we recounted the day we first met them and that was so special to them. And so I decided to write it down in a children's book format and that helped them process it. We talked about it a lot and then it started opening up all these conversations about India and about our experience. And then I realized that if this can help my girls, then maybe this can help other families have the same conversation, even if their story's not identical to ours. Yeah, I mean, and and by the way, I mean, I, I said this before, you, you don't have to have children that you have adopted from either, you know, locally or a faraway country um, to, to really understand, you know, what a child goes through. And we all have a story, by the way. Right. Every one of us have a story. I, I noticed that you have a .org address. So you guys, as I said, you can go to amandawall.org to purchase the book. Um, I um, am so impressed because you actually give this book away when people <laughs> purchase the book. Yeah. I mean, both, right? I, I, my, it was actually my husband's idea. He said, you know, I think there are so many people out there that love children and want to help. And even if they don't have adopted children or they don't have children at all, I think that people and companies may want to get behind this and help. And he was right. I set up a donation page so people could donate so that I could give books to organizations to then give to families and children. And I've been just humbled and blown away by, by just our community and people's generosity. Yeah. I mean, tell you something. Um, people are good. I think that yeah. if you educate them, um, you know, I, I say this quite often. I, I, you know, for me as a kid who grew up in the system and was homeless, people always ask me, are you mad at your community? And I'm like, no, because they weren't educated about me. And right. I think that if we educate people, um, and, and, and that is definitely can happen through your book, um, people will give, they will give. Listen, Amanda, I'm going to tell you, um, I am not a critic when it comes to writing books and stuff, even though I have written a couple of books, I will definitely give you a 10 out of 10. I am very excited. And the nice thing about your book, um, I have a really good friend of mine and she is a second grade school teacher. And Miss LeClaire, she's taught my children. And I am actually taking the book that you gave me and I'm donating it to her second grade class. And so when the school comes back in, um, not only am I donating the book, but I'm coming in her class and I'm going to read it to the students. Wow, that's because, great. Because, you know, I truly do believe that empathy is something we should be taught. I truly do believe that we need to look at each of our families and understand why is our family like that? And maybe then people won't ask the qu crazy questions that we get asked all the time. Listen, right. each and every one of you, you know, so 
celebrate National Adoption Awareness Month. And this is how, what I'd like to see you do. I would like to see you please go to amandawall.org. I'd like for you to take the challenge, purchase the book and donate it to a school. Each and every one of us can make a difference that way. I am telling, I'm going to see you all. I'm going to, you're going to hear, I'm going to talk about how did it go at Miss LeClaire's class because of Miss LeClaire's getting this book. And I'm going to personally make sure I go in and I read it to the students because I think each and every one of us need to make sure that we're educating our children's mind. And we do that with books. Amanda, thank you so much. And you and I will definitely connect again. Until another time, this is Fostering Change. Take care, everybody. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, ComfortCases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.